everybody. Welcome to IMS podcast number two. This is Dr. Tom and Dr. Tony. Today we're going to talk about stretch and flex. You know, when you talk about the concept of stretching, I think back, to, this will date us a little bit, years and years ago, you know, when in elementary school, junior high, high school, you're always stretching in gym class and some force before you participate because the concept was, you know, it's good for you to warm up before an injury. And and what did you see, Tom, after 15 years of static stretching all through school? Yeah, you, you your hamstrings are pulled muscles and tight muscles and everything. Your, your hamstrings were just as tight when you're a senior as you were in kindergarten. <laughs> yeah, you're either tight or you're not. And some people could stretch out right away like a rubber band, and other people work at it, work at it, and it didn't change much. But that didn't dictate their athleticism or anything like yeah. that. And, and then, and then, Tom, uh, sorry to interrupt, but then they brought it. They took that faulty notion, and then they brought it into the workplace. Say, hey, let's have our people stretch before they work, and that should help injuries. Athletes stretch. Let's go ahead and have them stretch. So you see all these different companies try these what we call traditional stretch and flex programs, and um, you don't, they don't see a whole lot of changes. They don't see a lot of great results. Um, well, the whole idea was to reduce injuries, and do you see a reduction in claims because of it? No, and in fact, um, what we found is when we go teach a lot of our our movement behavioral uh, training classes that a lot of the employees, when we first start our class, they just kind of roll their eyes. They're frustrated. They're like, oh, not this again. And, and they're totally right. They're justified in their attitudes because they've tried all this all through school. Then they went to work and they did static stretching. And now somebody else is going to teach them to it again. And, you know, they don't see improvement. Employees don't want to do something, but it doesn't accomplish anything. And so that's that's uh, what what I've experienced. And uh, so one of the first things we do when we teach a class is, okay, this is not static stretching. We're going to actually change how you move. And when you change how you move, you actually change behaviors. And, and most importantly, you accomplish what you're trying to do with a, a real stretch. You know, a static stretch, they think, well, we need to stretch this because it's good for me. Well, no, true stretching in order to be beneficial, what you're really trying to do is relax a very, very tense muscle or you're trying to lengthen a very short muscle. So we need to get away from the concept of stretching just because it's good for you or, or, or stretching because something hurts. So we need to stretch it so then we don't hurt it. You need to get totally get away from those concepts. You stretch because you want to lengthen or relaxed, a very tense muscle. And I'm not against stretching. In fact, I love stretching. You know, after years of martial arts and wrestling and rehabilitating patients, I'm very pro-stretching. But know why you're stretching. Uh, do it the, the most effective way. And, and do it in a way that will last and actually be effective of what you're trying to accomplish your goals. So many industries today will have people stretch out first thing in the morning. And stretching a cold muscle is damaging. I mean, you can actually do more damage stretching a cold muscle. I recently had an opportunity to watch a uh, professional football team at a practice, and they didn't come out of the locker room and start stretching. They came out and moved their bodies. You know, maybe they were running some pass drills, some blocking drills, tackling drills, got their body warmed up, got moving, and then they would stretch. You know, Tom, I'm glad you brought that up because let's talk about warming up. People think, well, we need to warm up. Let's stretch. Well, if you're, if you're doing stretching the right way, first of all, 
that's not warm up. So what is warming up? Let's let's get a little bit scientific, sports medicine, performance science here. What is warming up? Are you actually changing the temperature of the body? I don't think so. No, no. no maybe maybe not. a quarter degree. Okay. So are you actually, you know, changing the blood flow? You know, your no. blood pressure? No. Uh, <laughs> may, maybe the heart rate just a little bit. I'll give you that. Maybe you're going to change your heart rate just a little bit, but your blood flow, blood pressure is not going to effectively change for the health or the benefit or the injury prevention. So what, what you really, really are trying to accomplish when you warm up, when those athletes do those drills that you just talked about, what they're really doing is what I call wake up the nervous system. Some of our muscles kind of get lazy because our brain don't engage those muscles. Those muscles get lazy. So when an athlete goes out there, they want their body performing perfectly. So they go out and do those warm-up drills, not because it's warming up their temperature or their muscles. What they're doing is waking up the nervous system. So they're getting all the muscles firing efficiently, uh, what we call biomechanically optimal at a, a good rate of speed. And that's not just important for stretching. That's important for stability. Stability is kind of opposite of stretching. Stretching is super flexible, right? Gyms, you know, dancer. Where stability is your muscles engaging to protect joints. So a good warm-up is effective at lengthening the right muscles, relaxing the right muscles, and then waking up those lazing muscles that are important to stabilize, and those protect your joints, your shoulders, your knees, and back. So so that's that, what a warm-up yeah. is really supposed to be about. And that's what you're doing is triggering the body to work the way it was designed. And, uh, you know, most injuries occur because of lack of stability, not lack of flexibility. And you have seen it yourself that if you take a person with some damage in their joints, especially the shoulder, maybe the back could be the knees, last thing you want to do is stretch that thing more. If they ever end up in surgery, they don't go in and stretch you out and bend you over. Oh, they stabilize you. Oh. Exactly, Dr. Tom. So let's say let's let's imagine a, a, a core stretch and flex and a more optimal stretch and flex program. So let's say we got people with uh, you know carpal tunnel, wrist, shoulder, knee, back injuries. Typical typical scenario in the workplace or a group of athletes. So okay, their low backs hurt, their disc hurts, their disc is shot. Should we do toe touches so we stretch <laughs> their low back? No, we want to stabilize their low back. What you really want to do is you want to lengthen the hip muscles. You want to wake up the nervous system so they're good at using their hips, using their core. And now, guess what? You're protecting the low back. You don't need to stretch the low back. If I got a bad disc in my low back, the last thing I want to do, the last thing your doctor and surgeon wants you to do is a bunch of toe touches and bend your disc even more. And that can be true for shoulders. It can be true for knees. Uh, another common one, carpal tunnel syndrome. I love it. Well, we get it in factory work, and so these people, we have them do a lot of stretching to their wrists and elbows because a lot of people get carpal tunnel. That does nothing to prevent carpal tunnel. I've asked so many surgeons, uh, orthopedic surgeons who do, who do carpal tunnel surgery. I've asked so many physical therapists, occupational therapists who actually specialize in your upper extremity carpal tunnel treatments. And, and no, there's nothing out there that shows, no data that shows that Stretching your wrist is going to prevent carpal tunnel. Now, if you give them some dynamic warm-ups where they get flexibility in their hips, flexibility in their torso, their chest, their ribs, and now when they bend and move and twist in awkward positions or even static positions in a factory, now you notice they're not straining their wrist and elbows so much. 
because they use their core, they use their hips when they do these repetitive tasks. And now they quit that loading of the wrist, which causes the compression of the median nerve, which then causes the carpal tunnel syndrome. Sorry for that 10-minute <laughs> explanation. Well, no, but you're right on. And I've never, uh, could, I never could figure out, you know, straightening the arm and bend those fingers back. Well, that's not, you can't stretch what causes carpal tunnel. Okay, it's it's might relieve a little tension in the forearms for people. If they're grasping a lot, they'll get some cramping in the forearm. It might help that a little bit. But as a direct effect on carpal tunnel, I've seen absolutely nothing that works. And as far as, you know, stretching it beforehand, other than body mechanics, that's really the key. Unload that area and now you get it. So maybe when we warm up and do a proper warm up in the morning, as we call it, pre-shift conditioning, you know, the whole idea is get the body ready to work. And then secondly, here's the key, and you can expand on this, change their behaviors at the same time. You know, just because I bend over and touch my toes doesn't mean I'm going to be able to lift properly. I've seen some of the most flexible people in the world that have bad backs because they, they, don't, they don't use their hips. They don't know how to lift, but they're flexible. But no, that's not the cause of the problem. So we try to accomplish a couple things. Warm up properly. Like Tony said, wake the body up. So when you hit the field, when you hit the workplace and you start working, your brain knows what to do. Yeah. And then do some things that change behaviors. I think that's the key. It, it really is, Tom. And the great news is, I, I tell all my industrial athletes this, whether I'm teaching a class or if I'm teaching a, a conference somewhere or even a, a rehab conference to doctors, I will tell them, you don't need to go to the gym for an hour a day and do yoga for two hours and lift weights for an hour and stretch for an hour. I mean, that's great as far as your health and vitality if you want to go do involved a, a very aggressive exercise stretching and movement program. But even just three or four or five minutes a day, learning how to move your body properly, waking up those lazy muscles, lengthening the muscles, especially in the hip that are short and need to be lengthened. Don't stretch something just because it hurts. Literally five minutes a day, now you start to move better. You stabilize, protect the knees, back, and shoulders. You wake up the core muscles. You wake up the hip muscles. And now you feel a lot better. And now that person will want to be more active and do more and be more physical. And you take that person and, you, and they don't move well and they have a lot of injuries and you try to put them in these aggressive exercise stretching programs. Oftentimes, they hurt themselves because they're already damaged, right? If somebody um, has a bad knee or a bad back, and you have them stretch that knee and back, and now you just made it worse. Yeah, that's, they don't like it either. It doesn't feel good. And when you, know, when you put pers uh, people in the right position and teach them that movement, it's amazing. How many people have we gone through over the years that say, oh, I can't do that. I got a bad back, or I got this, or I got that. Say, no, get learn the position, get the movement proper, all of a sudden they go, geez, I can do that. I can, well, okay. Well, then practice that skill. Warms you up properly, just like the uh, pro football team. What do the linemen do? They come out and they practice drills, just like they're blocking in a game or tackling. They go and run up and kind of fake tackle each other. They, they practice those skills over and over and over. At the game time, it happens. Their body's warmed up. They're ready to go. No different than a workforce. It brings up a good point about um, the athletes when they, they warm up and, and a lot of coaching. See, when we're coaching athlete and you coach an industrial athlete in the workplace, it's kind of the same thing. If I'm at the work site uh, working with some guys, teaching some movement drills, 
I don't tell them, hey, I'm here to show you how to lift and push and pull. They don't want to hear that. They know how to do their job. I'm not here to tell them how to do their job either. If I'm coaching a high-level football player, a high-level professional golfer, I don't teach them how to tackle or how to swing a golf club. I just make their body work better, and all of a sudden, they, hey, doc, my back feels better now, or my knee feels better. Same thing with the industrial athletes as the sports athletes. They're like, they're like, this stuff is great, you know, because we get them away from that static, mundane stretching. They know it doesn't work, and we teach these other movements. They'll say, boy, my shoulder is already feeling a little bit better, or my back. Yeah, that yep. doesn't hurt my back now when I was doing the other stuff. And that's, hey, that's the number one key to me. When we get people on the right program, the biggest thing that impresses them the most is they feel better. They feel better. They know they work, uh, they're going to work safer. And then we start to drill and drill, and they start to change their behaviors. And like we call it instinctive. It just starts to happen naturally. You practice it over. You will do it in the workplace, at home, and other places. And now you're really starting to make some strides in preventing injuries. One of the things, uh, if I'm teaching a class to a group of docs, is I like to tell them, and I, I got this from some other people, some of my mentors in uh, physical medicine and sports performances, don't train muscles, train movements. Okay, Get away from static stretching. You want dynamic movements that will lengthen the correct muscles, strengthen, when I say strengthen, I actually mean kind of wake up the nervous system, get those muscles engaging, they get lazy over time. When those little stabilizer muscles get lazy, what now becomes behavior is using your joints, using your knees, using your back, and people don't do it on purpose. That becomes natural for them, and it's bad because their other muscles are what we call inhibited. So when we train the right movements, we wake up those important stabilizer muscles, you lengthen the proper muscles. And, and so now your, your warm-up, your pre-shift conditioning, as we call it, is totally different than that traditional stretch and flex programs where a lot of people associate with. And I think one of the other big things is, is that we don't, you know, we talk a lot about movement and science and everything involved in it, but it doesn't have to take a lot of time. It's really what you do, not how much of it you do. Getting the techniques done right, just doing a handful of things that it doesn't take long at all. Our, our program is what, three minutes, a warm-up? Yeah, you might be able to do the whole thing in three and a half, four minutes if you go quick. But it's, uh, I mean, but now they come on, they're, they're ready to go. They are warmed up. And it does raise their heart rate a little bit. And you start to feel blood flow going, and uh, now they're moving. If I were to, to say, what is the most important thing? You know, after 25, 30 years of, of rehabilitating spines and teaching classes and now industrial, industrial health and injury prevention, the most important thing you can do, let's say, to prevent back injuries in a workplace or even sports, is it your flexibility? Is it your coordination? Is it your... Your, your strength of your core, uh, should you do 500 sit-ups a day, you're going to strengthen your core, should you do yoga, everybody's looking for that magic answer. You know what it is? It's not strength, it's not flexibility, it's none of the above. The most important thing you can do is develop hip awareness. What I mean by hip awareness is you get very good when you do the right movement drills, you get very good at kind of disassociating how your hips and your back and your core work. I tell people all the time, you don't need a strong core. I don't care if you I don't care if you can plank for three hours straight. That is nothing to protect your back. 
You need a smart core. So when you bend, lift, push, pull, twist, reach, jump, twirl, do anything, your hips and your spine work together. And that little hip awareness only takes a couple minutes a day. And now you're going to instinctively be safe every task you perform because you have great awareness about your hips. And that's why you see some people, um, even like little 85-year-olds out in the garden, they got great hip movement. How do they do that? They're 85, 90 years old, and they're bending over all day in the garden. Well, they got great hip control. They don't plank. They don't do sit-ups. Well, know? that's yeah, that's what freaks people out whenever we talk core. They're thinking of all these crazy exercises they've seen on TV and all the devices, all the things. Oh, I've got to build that strong core. Well, like Tony said, not a strong core. It's a smart core. When you have the hip awareness, your core will naturally engage, right? I mean, exactly. that's the principle that you don't have to be thinking about, oh, I got to tighten my core, do this. No, learn to move your hips. And that kind of triggers everything else to work naturally, or as we say, instinctively. And it doesn't have to take a long time. It's just starting to change those behaviors. So in summary, for those of you out there who are stretching, uh, by all means, keep stretching. Stretching is good, but know why you're stretching and stretching, stretch the right parts. Okay. But uh, for those of you out there, too, who said, yeah, I knew that static stretching we did in high school, junior high, wasn't doing anything. You know, you're kind of right. And for the industrial athletes out there, uh, a pre-shift warm-up is the best thing you can do. Um, but um, everybody owes it to you, your employers. You owe it to yourself to do a little research, do a little studying, and start to do the right pre-shift warm-up. Yeah, doing the technique correctly is, is so important. And uh, we've spent a lot of time trying to make this not take a lot of time. And I think that's the key because... Uh, you know, back when we were working with patients, it'd be like the more exercises you gave them, the longer it took them to do them, the less likely they were to do them. Give them a couple of things that work really, really well, yeah. and they'll do it. Yeah, the KISS method all the way. Keep it simple, stupid. So if you want more information, go to our website, instinctivemovement.com. Contact us. Reach out to us. We'd love to hear some questions. And um and uh, hopefully you'll continue to move well. And we got some other videos on YouTube as well under Instinctive Movement System. Look us up on YouTube. Thanks for listening.